your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Tuesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, April 6, 2021. Your boy Q here, coming fresh off that big victory by the Baylor Bears in a college basketball national championship style, destroyed Gonzaga. I mean, they didn't have a chance from the very beginning of the game. It was 9-0, and it was basically lights out right there. So Baylor gets their first victory. Obviously, anyone who's been listening to this show for a long time knows I cover Baylor like a glove. So a big day for me, really big day. And I say that for me, it's not for me, but it's just a lot more fun to talk about a team that's just hoisted a national championship than a team that's losing. And I'll tell you right now, man, Baylor has come a long, long way since I've even been covering them, and that's only since 2012. So shout out to those Baylor Bears. Picked up that real big victory over Gonzaga. Got that national championship Monday night. And, well, I'm here to talk about some football. But, man, I'm still kind of riding on a a cloud nine. So uh, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Coming up on today's show, segment number three, calls and text straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line 707-654-4693 and I'll tell you I don't think I have enough time to get to all the calls and texts got a lot of great feedback the conversation we've been having on the show the past few days going back to like Thursday and Friday of last week and Monday of this week lots of good conversation so Definitely appreciate all that feedback, and I'll try to get as much on the show as possible. So that'll come up in segment number three. In segment number two, I actually got a really good tweet from my guy T. Wolvie at T-L-D-R-U-M-Z-1 on Twitter talking about the front office of the Raiders and and in this conversation about being aggressive and trading up. Really good tweet from him, and I really want to share my thoughts on that. So that's going to come up in segment number two. I think that's going to provide for some really good conversation as well. Really got my mind rolling a little bit. So that's what you'll hear in segment number two. Here in segment number one, news and notes of the day. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. And obviously the biggest news that, that shook out on Monday from the NFL, not the Raiders, but the NFL, is the fact that the Jets made a big trade, sending Sam Darnold, former first round draft pick, to the the Carolina Panthers. They traded him to the Panthers for a 2021 sixth round pick and a second and a fourth round pick in 2022. That's crazy. That is just nuts. But now the Jets have 21 draft picks in 2021 and 2022 combined, and none of them are in the seventh round. So the Jets uh, realized that Sam Darnold's not their future. They were going to obviously draft a quarterback at number two. They got the best that they could for him. A sixth round draft pick, I don't know how I feel about this uh, this trade. I don't know if that makes Carolina Panthers that much better. I think that that's kind of a Teddy Bridgewater type move. But I've heard from a lot of people that they think that Matt Rule will be able to get Sam Darnold right. He's still a young dude, only 23 years old. So we'll see. Joe Brady's there on that offensive uh, staff for Carolina. He was there at LSU when they, uh, they had Joe Burrow and went on that big run and had one of the best teams offensively ever that you've ever seen. So, you know, he's the offensive coordinator there. So maybe he can get Sam Darnold right. I don't have a lot of belief in him, but again, that's just me but I say that and bring that up to the podcast and bring that up on the show because that's just going to allow that's just going to confirm that you know another quarterback's going to be taken and some more talent's going to drop a little bit at least one spot of course the Jets are picking at number two so they get a quarterback we've already kind of expected the first three would be quarterbacks Uh, there's been reports that Atlanta's talking about trading back so what that tells me is that they're going to whoever's at number four if they end up trading with Atlanta they're going to get a quarterback as well so then therefore you got four quarterbacks off the uh, off the market right there. Some more talent drops, and that's something we've been talking about. If a guy 
guy drops, if a talented dude, a difference maker drops in round 10, 11, 12, do the Raiders jump up and make a move for him? And I think everyone's kind of agreed that if there's a difference maker there, why not go for it? I know Brother Marquise in the 305 was very adamant about that. I'm not mad at him. I think it's a really good idea. The Raiders have to be able to have the stones to go and make that call and make that decision and go out there and get that guy. Will they do it? Who knows? And we got to see how the board drops and, and falls and shakes out. But uh, sitting at number 17, they may have an opportunity to move up a little bit and get a difference maker. And if they do, I'd be all for that. So uh, also what I wanted to bring to the table here in segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, Oregon, they had their pro day on Monday. And I got a few sound bites. I got uh, offensive lineman uh, Panay Sewell. And then I also got safety Javon Holland. But I'm just going to bring Javon Holland to the, to the table here because I feel like that that's a guy that there's reasonable – chances that he could end up being a Raider by the time the draft is over. I think Penny Sewell will be drafted really, really high before the Raiders have a chance to make a move for him. Even though he's a big-time offensive tackle and many believe is the best offensive tackle in the draft, I just thought I'd stick with Javon Holland and his sounds and hit what he had to say at his media session following Pro Day. So let's go ahead and jump into that. One of the first questions he was asked is if he's a safety or a slot corner. Where does he feel most comfortable? Here's Javon Holland from Oregon. I, I, I guess you could say... Free safety. I mean, I see myself definitely as a deep safety being in the post and whatnot, but I'm well equipped to, you know, as you see, to come down, step in the slot and uh, and guard, you know, tight ends, slot receivers, things like that. So, um, yeah. So there's safety Javon Holland talking about the fact that he's a safety, but he also is very comfortable with coming up and playing the slot, covering the tight ends, covering running backs. And again, man, this is the new age. And I say new age, but it's just what it is in the NFL. You've got to be able to defend the tight ends. You've got to be able to defend the running backs coming out of the backfield because offensive coordinators are using every single dude on the field as a weapon. And we know in the AFC West, there's a lot of really good weapons. So he mentioned that he's a safety. So uh, the next question and asked to him was about is he a ball hawking safety or is he an enforcer and what does he need to work on to improve on the next level now I will say before you hear this the guy asking the question he kind of put footwork in his head he kind of mentioned like your footwork or something like that and so Javon Holland immediately thought he was talking about his footwork so here's his answer on if he's a ball hawking safety or an enforcer and then what he needs to work on on the next level uh, I am a ball hawk by nature. I'm naturally a receiver. Uh, for those that don't know, I played receiver in high school, got like a thousand yards. And then um, you said, am I, do I need to work on my footwork? Or I mean, of course you need to work on your footwork. I, there's things, there's room to improve. You know, this is the professional level. So you always have to adapt. You always have to grow and improve. So, I mean, yeah, definitely my footwork, my hands, my, you know, I feel like my whole game needs to take the next step. Not necessarily that it's not, you know, high level already, but I feel like in order to, you know, stay in the league and be in the league, you need to take that next step to, you know, make sure that, you can be somebody who they, you know, the teams can rely on, like I said before. So you heard him mention that he's a ball hawking safety by nature. 2018, five interceptions. 2019, four interceptions and a touchdown. He opted out of the 2020 season, so didn't have an opportunity to go ahead and, and add any more to that collection. But nine interceptions in two years, I would say that he's definitely a ball hawking safety. And you heard him say that he's a wide receiver by, by trade in high school. He had over 1,000 yards receiving, so he clearly has some good hands. And that's something that the Raiders need on that back end. And that's why I wanted you to hear from Javon Holland because there's an opportunity that he absolutely could end up being a Raider by the end of the draft. I think he's a really, really good player. Now, I mentioned that he opted out of the 2020 season, so he was asked about that. What made him gamble on himself and opt out, feel comfortable with opting out of the 2020 season? Uh, to have confidence in myself. I mean, I, I feel like I have confidence in myself, you know, as much as I can, but I knew what I was capable of and, you know, the level of play that I have, through, especially throughout the, like, the past couple of years. And 
feel like I put in the work. So um, when I, you know, the situation came to be, I decided to go with the opt out and uh, it wasn't really a gamble. I, I wasn't gambling. Yeah. Anything. There was no, I knew the outcome was going to be what I was going to put down. Uh, and I went out and I, did, and I did that. There he goes. Very confident young man right there. And I'll tell you, I don't think that there's a defensive back or a safety in the league that's not a confident man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's just part of playing the position. You've got to have a ton of confidence to play that position. And you've got to have a short memory as well. So uh, there's Javon Holland just talking about he didn't really even feel like it was a gamble. He knew what he's capable of. He knew what he's already put on film. And he felt like opting out was the best thing for him. So another question. I just got a couple more sound bites from Javon Holland after his pro day at Oregon he says or he was asked what he brings to an NFL team uh, I feel like I am a versatile player like you know I, you can kind of put me in any system uh, and I'm going to thrive I want to um, be somebody that coaches and you know my teammates can rely on and you know they can understand that I'm somebody that's going to make the play when you know when I'm put out there I'm going to do my job and uh, help my team win so one of the first things he mentioned was his versatility and that's something that we talked about before when you're talking about is he a safety or a slot corner he said he was comfortable playing the slot but he is a free safety by nature you know again something that the Raiders need someone who can be that ball hawker down in the in center field and also if they have to need be come up and and cover the slot you know that's something that is a prerequisite the Raiders are going to need a guy like that so uh, the final soundbite is about his versatility how would he describe it and then further explain his abilities that he's bringing to an NFL team I feel like um you know I'm kind of a unicorn at my size being able to you know be as athletic as I am and as versatile as I am you don't really see that that much uh usually it's a smaller guy smaller stature and so being six six feet 207 under four four it's you know it's kind of unheard of especially at the safety position uh so I definitely think I'm bringing a new aspect of the of the position the the 2020 version, 2021 version of the, the nickel spot or the free safety spot. So there he goes. He's talking about what he brings to the table. He called himself a unicorn and just said that his size and his athleticism, and it's funny, and I'll tell you right now why it's funny, because Pro Football Focus, uh, they had a, you know, they had their draft guide out, and I just kind of went over that just to see where they have Javon Holland going, and they have him going in the second or third round, but what they said about him was Holland was Oregon's starting safety as a true freshman in 2018 before manning the slot for the Ducks in 2019. He's graded exceptionally well at both and he's been tremendously assignment sound the biggest question mark with him will be his athleticism he doesn't have any one special trait to hang his hat on that's no death nail by any means but likely keeps him out of the early round conversation it didn't stop him from picking off nine passes and breaking up 11 more in his two seasons of play that type of slot safety versatility is perfect for today's nfl again has a second or third round grade on him so if the raiders play their card right that could be a dude that they possibly pull out maybe even in the third round uh you know it might be a guy that he might not make it to the middle of the third round where they'd be picking but maybe he's a guy that uh you know that they decide to go get you know they have a couple third round picks so maybe he is a guy that maybe they move up a little bit in the third round to go get him not too sure but clearly a guy that the Raiders could possibly target in either the second or third round a guy that has ball hawking skills nine interceptions in two seasons again turnovers creating turnovers is something that the Raiders need to do in a major major way they have not done that in quite a while matter of fact the last season that they really created a bunch of turnovers was 2016. The last season they made it to the playoffs, 2016. I don't think that there's any coincidence as far as that goes. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Uh, you know, probably tomorrow, maybe I'll bring you the sound of uh, Panay Sewell. Uh, I, uh, Javon Holland was good, but maybe maybe you do want to hear Panay Sewell anyway. I still have it, so maybe I'll bring it to you on tomorrow's show. But that's all I got for you for segment number one. Coming up in number in segment number two, going to talk about a tweet I got from my guy T. Woolvie talking about the trust 
Do you trust the Raiders front office? I'll explain what all that means coming up in segment number two. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about betonline.ag. And I know the college basketball season is over. Baylor's the national champion. That does not mean that your betting stops because the NBA is going full throttle. NHL's going. MLB's going. I mean, there's UFC fights all the time. There's all kind of things that you can get your gamble on with, all kind of games, all kind of sporting events. All you've got to do is open up a free account today at betonline.ag. You use that promo code Locked on, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. So, for example, if you put $200 in, you'll get $100 on top of that, but you've got to use the promo code Locked On. It's like gambling with someone else's money, and why not, right? A lot of folks win a lot of money on all these games, and betonline.ag is going to help you. They're your online sportsbook experts. Uh, if you want to check them out on social media, you can at betonline underscore AG. Take advantage of all the best bonuses in the business. Again, betonline.ag, a great place to get. Get your gamble on with again your online sportsbook experts also the title sponsor of the other podcast i do with lee sterling from paramountsports.com on all things betting called locked on bets check it out betonline.ag segment number two it's on the way your locked on raiders your daily podcast on the las vegas raiders part of the locked on podcast network your team Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Want to talk about the trust in the Raiders front office and do you have trust in the Raiders front office? And the reason why we're bringing this up is because, well, this has actually been brought to my attention, is because we've been talking about the Raiders being aggressive in the draft. If if they're sitting at 17, they see a guy at 12, maybe they should jump up and go get that guy. Or, you know, just going out and getting that difference maker in the draft. And so it was presented to me like, hey, Q, do you really trust the front office to make the right decision. And that comes from my guy, T. Wolvie. Hit me up on Twitter. Uh, and you can hit me up on Twitter as well, at your boy Q254. Uh, he's at TLDRUMZ1 on Twitter. And he said, Q, I honestly don't trust Mayock and Gruden to trade up. I certainly think trading back with a team who has their man at 17 and getting another late second on top of whatever their first round pick is would be best, only because by probability they could have more picks to get it right. Unless an absolute stud is there at 17 like Sertain or Parsons, you can get a nice O-lineman in the second round for sure. Just a thought. So that's from T. Wolvey. And I can't say that he's wrong, you know, and, and the thing about it, and I've actually brought this argument to not even really an argument, but I brought up this piece of the conversation to Steve Cofield from ESPN Las Vegas when uh, he was talking about trading some players and getting multiple draft picks. And I said, yeah, but what are the Raiders going to do with those draft picks? I mean, think about it. And I brought this up multiple times over the past couple of years. They had five first round draft picks. And we still don't know what they got out of those five draft picks. We know that they got one really good player out of those five draft picks, and that's it. And that's running back Josh Jacobs out of the first five first-round draft picks that they had the last two seasons. So I totally understand where you're coming from when you say, I don't trust Mayock and Gruden to trade up and get it right. I mean, and that's that's a gamble, and that's something that they've got to do a better job of because so far, and I know that, that Mike Mayock's only been around since 2019, but since John Gruden's return in 2018 – it hasn't been that pretty as far as the draft goes. And so, you know, you can have as many times that play at the plate you want, but if you're swinging and missing and you ain't getting no hits or you're not hitting home runs or getting at least on base, then it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter how many picks you have. If you're striking out, it really doesn't mean anything. I mean, just let's go back to 2018. Colton Miller, who just signed a contract extension, okay, that was a hit. No doubt about it. That was a good pick. But the second-round pick, P.J. Hall, he's gone. Third-round pick, Brandon Parker, okay, there's still questions about him. Arden Key, he should be gone. I mean, he's he's terrible. I'm sorry, I don't care. He's very athletic, but he's terrible. Fourth-round pick, Nick Nelson, gone. Fifth-round pick, Maurice Hurst. I'll tell you right now, I'd be surprised if he makes it out of training camp. 
He's been a big-time disappointment. He had, what, four and a half sacks his uh, his rookie year and then has regressed ever since then. So, I mean, Mohurst hasn't uh, impressed me. Johnny Townsend, the punter, fifth-round pick, he's gone. Sixth-round pick, Azeem Victor, the linebacker out of Washington, he's gone. Marcel Aitman, he's lived and died on the, on the practice squad multiple times. He's done a whole lot of nothing. You know, you go to 2019, Cleve Farrell was your number one overall pick or your first-round pick, number four overall. Uh, question mark still out about him. I, I know he's done well against the against the run, but you're not going to get, you know, praise for playing really good against the run when you're a number four overall pick. It's just not going to happen, regardless if it's fair or not. It's just not going to happen with him. Josh Jacobs, that was the one hit that you know was a good one. You know, he definitely, uh, you know, they definitely hit with Josh Jacobs, the running back. He's gone over 1,000 yards two seasons, his two years in the league. Jonathan Abram, huge question mark. I think 2021 is going to be a huge season for him to see what the Raiders do. Second round, Trayvon Mullen. Okay, he's a starter. He still needs to step his game up. Max Crosby, fourth round pick. He's a really good player. You know, he had 10 sacks and seven sacks, respectfully, 10 and a half and then seven. So he's doing well. Another fourth-round pick, Isaiah Johnson, cornerback out of Houston. Jury's still out. He hasn't had a lot of playing time. He's made a couple plays here and there, but okay, it is what it is. Uh, another fourth-round pick, Foster Moreau, had a good rookie season. Didn't do whole much in 2020 coming back from the ACL tear, so you'll give him that. Give him a pass for you know tearing his ACL at the end of his rookie year, and, and they really brought him along slowly in, in 2020 and had Jason Witten in front of him, so uh, not really blaming him, but he just didn't get a lot of burn. Fifth-round pick, Hunter Renfro. Like him. I like him a lot. I think he's a, a really good player. Fifth-round pick, got good value there. Seventh-round pick, Quentin Bell, he's no longer on the team. 2020, first-round pick. Number 12 overall, Henry Ruggs. Not a whole lot of production. Another first-round pick, Damon Arnett, defensive back out of Ohio State. Definitely not a lot of production. Third-round pick, Lynn Bowden Jr., not even on the team. Got traded to Miami. Another third-round pick, Brian Edwards, wide receiver out of South Carolina. Uh, very little production. He was banged up a quite a bit his rookie year, but maybe he can end up being a player. Who knows? Another third-round pick, Tanner Muse. Didn't play a down. Linebacker out of Clemson. Did not play one down in 2020. Fourth-round pick, John Simpson, the guard out of Clemson. I think he could be a player. I'm excited about him. I think he's going to be able to bring something to the table. His depth and his 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 skill set will be needed this year for depth on the on the Raiders' offensive line. So I like that. That's a good pick. And then another fourth-round pick, Amik Robertson, cornerback out of La Tech. Uh, he could be a player. They put him into the – kind of threw him into the uh, to the deep end last year and in less than ideal situations, and he sunk. But I think Amik Robertson is going to be a good player. Just needs some time for him. And the 2020 picks, of course, with COVID and everything, and I don't want to make an excuse. I'm not going to make an excuse. Uh, they kind of were on the, the the short end of the stick. They really didn't have a, a fighting chance. But, I mean, Lynn Bone Jr., there was nothing from him. He got traded. Tanner Muse, he never even made it out of training camp. So, I mean, that's two guys that never even saw the field for the Raiders in 2020. So that's already, you know, a fail. And then Damon Arnett couldn't find his way, couldn't stay on the field. He was always banged up. So, I mean, there's a lot of question marks. So when T. Wolvie says, I'm not confident in the Raiders to, to make these picks, so you rather them trade back and get more picks. But, I mean, even if they get those extra picks – are they going to hit with them? And that's the problem. And so that's the problem. On, that's a failure on the front office. If the front office can't get some of these picks right, I mean, I'll tell you right now, Raider Nation, if you have five first-round picks in two years, you should have some studs. You know, we've been talking about the last few days, difference makers. You should have more difference makers than what they have. Josh Jacobs is a really good running back, but he's a running back. You know, it's hard to be a big-time difference maker from that running back position, but he's solid. Don't get me wrong. But where else is the difference maker out of all those guys? That's what I'm saying. That's what a, the big issue is. And so uh, I wouldn't mind if they traded up and go in and get a, a difference maker if they saw one and just said, hey, we're going to give up a little bit. I'm not saying give up the farm. 
not trade everything, not mortgage your whole future, but, I mean, maybe you give up a little bit of capital to move up and get a guy that you know, like you said, a Patrick Sertain, a Micah Parsons. I mean, Parsons might even be there with the way that it looks like the draft is going to shake out. Parsons might even be there at 17. You know, there, there's guys, but you've got to at some point. You've got to get difference makers, man. There's no excuse why you get five first-round picks and you don't have difference makers among those. And you had number four overall, you had number 12 overall, you had number 19 overall, you had number 24, you had number 27. I mean, there's just way too many picks that you had and you didn't come away with enough difference makers. Now, maybe Damon Arnett turns things around. And, and I, I like him. I don't want anyone to get a mistake and say think that I don't like him. I like him. The problem was he wasn't able to stay on the field. He always, you know, went in tackling with his head, and I know his, his arm was banged up or his hand was banged up, his wrist. It was in a club most of the season, so, you know, it kind of impacted the way he played. But a lot of times, man, he was leading with his head, and that's just something that he does naturally, and that's not going to keep him on the field. That's going to continue to get him concussions, and he won't be available for the team. If you're not available, you do no good. So uh, he, he's got a lot to prove. Henry Ruggs has a lot to prove. If you're the first wide receiver taken off the board, you should be producing. I know a lot of people made excuses all year long in 2020 and said, oh, well, you know, Darren Waller's the number one wide receiver and, and, and Henry Ruggs just opens up things for him. And yes, you're right about that, but that's not why you took him at 12. Again, and I said it during the season, you didn't take him at 12 to be a decoy. You took him at 12 to be a producer, a guy who makes plays. And he un unfortunately did not make enough plays for the Raiders in 2020. Again, I've said it multiple times. I'm not putting that 100% on him. I'm not putting it 100% on Carr. I'm not putting it 100% on Gruden. I'm putting it all on them collectively. It's a, it's a collective issue. I think that all three of them failed, uh, you know, as far as getting Henry Ruggs involved in a major way. Maybe he takes a big step th forward this year since Nelson Aguilar is not there, but I still think that he's got a lot of work to do. I think uh, John Gruden's got a lot of work to do on just figuring out how to get him the ball, and Derek Carr has got to trust him. I mean, I get it. You know, Derek Carr doesn't want to turn the ball over, but at some point, man, you got to let it rip, and you got to let you, you got to trust your guy. Make Henry Ruggs a difference maker. Make that speed worth something. If you're just a track star, nobody's going nobody's gonna to worry about you because they know, oh, he's not going to throw the ball to him anyway, so it doesn't matter. He could burn us all day. If the ball don't go his way, it's not going to matter. And, yeah, maybe every once in a while, like against the Jets, you let it rip because it's the end of the game and you have to. Teams aren't going to worry about that. They're not going to treat Henry Ruggs like a threat if the Raiders don't dedicate themselves to throwing the ball his way. So going back to what T. Wolvey said is, I honestly don't trust Mayock and Gruden to trade up. So that is, that is a problem. That is a problem, and that's something that the Raiders have to figure out how to solve. But, I mean, just looking back at those draft, those guys that were drafted since 2018, it is not a whole lot to write home about. We all know that the 2019 draft was probably the best one that they've had in the three years that Gruden's been back. But even then, I mean, still, Max Crosby, really good player. He's got to do better than he did in 2020. Trayvon Mullins definitely got to step up more than he did in 2020. Josh Jacobs, in my opinion, even needs to step up. Cleve Farrell needs to start coming through uh, like the first of the month a little bit more. I mean, there's still room for growth with all those guys. So the 2019 class looks the best, but they still need uh, a lot of improvement as well. So T. Wolvie, I totally understand where you're coming from. And like I like to say on the radio all the time, you're not wrong. <laughs> so thank you for that tweet. I definitely appreciate you. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. That is the number. Right now, though, I do want to tell you about rockauto.com. They're a family business. They've been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. Many of you use rockauto.com. You can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, and they've got everything. Engine parts, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet. You need it, they got it. It doesn't matter if your car is a classic or one you drive every single day. 
every part you need is a few easy clicks away and it's delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com catalog is unique, super easy to navigate. You can quickly check all the parts available for your vehicle. You choose the brands, specifications, and most importantly, the prices that you prefer. That's right. The prices at RockAuto.com are always super low and the same for professionals as it is for do-it-yourselfers. So no reason to spend up to twice as much for the same parts. All you got to do right now is go to RockAuto.com. Check out all the parts available for your car or truck. In the box, it said, how'd you hear about us? Right. Like the Locked On Raiders podcast. That's it. That's how they know that I sent you and that I'm doing my job. Great selection, super low prices, all the parts your car is ever going to need, all from rockauto.com. Segment number three, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707 654 Four six nine three. Let's go ahead and start things off with a text from Joe in Tennessee. He says, "Hey Q, Joe from Tennessee here. Just wanted to let you and all of Raider Nation know that we lost a great one last Saturday. My friend Jeff, aka Chico, was a longtime member of the Raiders Booster Club of York, PA. He was a regular at the annual booster banquets and always at the away game trips, and usually made at least one trip to Oakland a year for a game." Some that listen may know him or have met him. He was always quick with a joke or something witty, and I don't think he ever met a stranger. More importantly, he was a father and grandfather and a friend to many. He'll be missed by all of us. I'd ask that we all keep his kids, grandkids, and all his friends in prayer. That's from Joe in Tennessee. No doubt about it, man. No doubt about it. I always hate to hear uh, when someone loses their life or someone's fighting for their life, even like Obi-Wan Raider, and I have an uh, update on him I'll bring to you at the end of the show. But, uh, yeah, man, that's, that's a tough one. So uh, definitely prayers up to uh, Chico's family and hope that uh, everyone is doing okay and, and are able to hang. Well, not hang, but just do the best they can in dealing with it. It's not easy. Uh, we all know that. We've all lost someone that's very close to us and, and have to deal with it in our own ways. But uh, much love to Chico and his family. Next up, got a call from Rahul in Seattle. He's calling to talk about Friday's show and the possibility of being aggressive in the draft. He's pretty fired up about it. Here he is, Rahul in Seattle. Hey, Q. It's Rahul from Seattle. Uh, I was very, very happy to hear uh, your uh, podcast uh, on Friday about making aggressive moves uh, to try to get better players. And, you know, I keep hearing from uh, a lot of the nation that, oh, we should trade down and get more picks and this and that. And that just continues the philosophy of the more players we pick, the more likely it is we'll find a good one. Well, I got another philosophy. How about the higher we pick, the more likely it is we'll find good players. So uh, what I'm saying is this. We should try to move up in this draft. There are two game-changing players that are available uh, in this draft. And I'm not, I don't think either would be available by 17. Uh, I'm talking about... Micah Parsons and Devontae Smith. Now, before you say, oh, we're set at wide receiver, this and that, listen, Devontae Smith is a generational talent. I don't care who you have at wide receiver. There's no one, the quality of Devontae Smith, anywhere close to our roster. This guy will change everything. If he's available, you cannot pass on him. And I would also say we should actually trade up to try to get him. If it were possible to somehow get two picks inside the top 15, we should make an attempt to go for Devontae Smith and Micah Parsons. I don't know what that will take. It may take some picks from next year. It may take all of our picks from this year. I don't know. But if I had a chance to get two picks inside the top 15 to chase Devontae Smith or Micah Parsons, I would do it. And if Smith is gone, there's a couple of other receivers I wouldn't mind having, Bateman, Waddle, or uh, Jamar Chase. 
any of those guys, but certainly DeMonte Smith is my number one receiver. So those are two guys uh, that I would trade up for. Uh, if it were somehow possible to get both of them, I think we should look at it. I mean, I agree everything in your pockets. we got to chase the star players. Enough trading down and looking for second-rate guys. Oh, we'll find value, this and that. That gets you 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven bogus, okay? That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for Super Bowls. To win Super Bowls, you need star players. Micah Parsons, Devontae Smith, welcome to Las Vegas. One love you. There he goes. Rahul in Seattle. Long time. Haven't heard from you, but glad to hear from you. And love how you're fired up. Love the passion, man. He's talking Michael Parsons, Devontae Smith, difference makers for sure. And, yes, they would be good. They would be really, really good. Uh, I said Devontae Smith right after the national championship game. I thought, man, can you imagine him? With his skills in that Raiders offense as well, with uh, Henry Ruggs, and you got Darren Waller, and you got Hunter Renfro. I mean, yeah, he would be an absolute stud. Uh, I, I do think that the Raiders need still help at the wide receiver position. I know Brian Edwards is there, but you're also counting on a guy that's usually banged up to be healthy. So, you know, I, I think that they still need to address the offense in a major way. Uh, they need a dude, you know, and I'm not sure that Ruggs is actually going to be that dude or if they're going to use him to be that dude. He's fast. But is he a dudes, dude? You know what I mean? So we'll see. It's only a small sample size, obviously, for sure. Uh, and Parsons, he might be there at 17. I'm not guaranteeing he's going to be there, but he might be. And if the Raiders uh, are on the board there at 17 and he's there, I would have no problem with them going up and making the move for him. Thank you so much for that call. Appreciate you. Next up, I got a text from Raider Infiltrator. He says, tell me I didn't just beef up our D while addressing the tackle and safety positions. Sure, my first pick was in the second round, but I got some dogs on here. And he laid out his whole mock draft from Pro Football Focus, a little uh, mock draft simulator that you could do. He traded pick 17 to Tennessee and got 22, 53, and 100. Got an A-minus grade for that. He traded... Number 22 and 121 to Baltimore and received 27, 58, and 104. Got a B-plus for that. Then he traded pick number 27 to the Jets and got 34, 66, 86, and 146 and got an A-minus for that. Then he actually started making picks. Uh, at 34, uh, Jason Owa from uh, the edge at Penn State, A-minus. 48, Alex Leatherwood, tackle from Alabama, B-plus. 53, Ronnie Perkins, edge from Oklahoma, C-plus. 58, Richie Grant, safety from UCF, C+. 66, Jabril Cox, linebacker from LSU, B+. 79, Eric Stokes, cornerback from Georgia, B+. 80, Jamar Johnson, safety from Indiana, C+. 86, Jamin Davis, linebacker from Kentucky, B+. 100, Kendrick Green, guard from Illinois, C+. 104, Tay Gowans, cornerback UCF, B+. 146, Milton Williams, defensive lineman, Louisiana Tech, B+. 162, Cornell Powell, wide receiver Clemson, B+. 167, Robert Hainsey, tackle from Notre Dame, B+. And then number 200, Chris Evans, halfback, running back, Michigan, C+. All in all, he got an A- total, but he got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 total draft picks. Not going to happen with 14 draft picks. I don't see any team drafting 14 guys. But uh, with all those drafts or trades that you made, you could package some of those and move up and probably get a couple other players. I normally think a team is going to get about seven to eight guys realistically. I 14 is just a boatload of players. But uh, you did do a good job. You sure went uh, definitely defensive heavy and, and, and filled a lot of holes. Uh, but that is a lot of draft picks. But definitely uh, appreciate the thoughts. And it was really good GMing for you. 
or by you. Good job by that uh, because you were able to hustle a whole lot of picks out of those picks that you traded up. So good stuff, man. Appreciate you. Next up, I got a call from Sean from Salt Lake City. He's calling to respond to Weapon X call and Brother Marquis' call about being aggressive in the upcoming NFL draft. Plus, he shares his thoughts on quarterback Justin Fields from Ohio State. Here he is, Sean from Salt Lake City. Thank you, Raider Nation. Sean from Salt Lake City. Um, just calling in response to Weapon X, um, his aggressive draft text he brought up, as well as uh, Brother Marquise and his uh, kind of little motivational speech about being great. Um, I love both those. Te- I love both that text and that call because I think that's what that's what we're lacking. Is we're lacking just like that desire to be great again. We're lacking just that aggression, being aggressive. You want aggressive defense, you got to have aggressive coaching staff. You want to be aggressive coaching staff, you got to have an aggressive front office. And we just don't, I don't think we have any of that, and they haven't shown it at least. Um, but I also want to call in just kind of vouch for the Justin Fields thing. Um, I mean, I feel like there's just some there's some things about players you can't teach. Um, Justin Fields, his first year at Ohio State, um, loses to Clemson, right? Uh, guess what he guess what he put up in the locker room at Ohio State? The final score to that game, and they work, he worked out looking at it every single day. And what did Justin Fields do? He came, he went out, and he kicked their ass the next year. Um, there's just some that competitive drive is just something you can't teach. Um, I feel like Jalen Hurts had something like that. I feel like you know, um, Justin Fields had that totally. I mean, he that dude got wrecked by Skowski in the game and still played. Man, he probably should have slid, and people are gonna say, "Oh, he's a dumb runner, yada yada." I don't care. I think Justin Fields is a winner. He's a dude worth calling Atlanta for and saying, "Hey, what do we gotta do to get this?" I mean, obviously you're chancing it because you don't know if Lance is give me the guy at three or what that Niners gonna do. But if Niners take Trey Lance or Mac Jones and Fields is sitting there at four, I'm calling Atlanta and I'm like, "Hey." What in the hell do you want? Because we want Justin Fields. At least that's my opinion. Peace out, Raider Nation. There he goes, Sean from Salt Lake City. Really good call, my man. I appreciate you, and I think trusting the front office is a great point, something that I talked about in great length in segment number two. is definitely a major factor. Uh, I like your thoughts on Justin Fields, and I'll admit, man, I'm not 100% sold on him, but... You know, maybe he could be that that dude being a killer, being, a, you know, a difference maker and a winner like you mentioned. It's definitely food for thought. I'm going to have to go a little bit deeper, man. I'm going to do a little bit deeper dive because I'm not going to lie to you. Justin Fields was not on my radar as far as a guy that I would even consider, kind of like I was talking about uh, Jalen Hurts a year ago. But uh, I, I've been wrong. You know what I mean? I've been wrong or I haven't really, uh, you know, thought about certain guys before. That could be a possibility, man. I'll have to do some research and I'll have to do some intel and bring it to the show as well on Justin Fields because clearly there's... There's, there's a part of the fan base that would not have a problem with getting Justin Fields and having them be the quarterback of the future. So that's something interesting to look into. I do appreciate the call and the suggestions. Thank you so much for that. I uh, got a quick text from Easton Raider. Speak, brother Marquis, speak. That's a text from Easton Raider. That was all it is. So basically he was saying, amen, brother. Everything that you said, spot on. I like that. Uh, how about this? Got a call from Jordan in Oregon. He's calling to talk about some of the calls he's been hearing on the podcast and talks about the team being aggressive in the draft. Here he is, Jordan in Oregon. Hey, Q. Jordan in Oregon calling in here. Just loving the podcast on Monday. So many great calls nowadays on the podcast. They've always been great, but I really – got to say you've got like this network now of interaction between fans that i can just say the last couple of years it's grown and really proud to, to listen and be a part of it but anyway q i just wanted to call in and i love all the feedback on getting aggressive in the draft you know trading up for some of these great players and you know not settling for a good player but trying to go for some sort of premier you know big time difference maker player i'm all about that and in fact 
What I hope the Raiders do, I kind of call them in and piggybacking on a few of the other callers here, is, is uh, I hope they're, they are aggressive in either the draft or just making a trade within the league. And some players, you know, I would keep in mind, and I know, you know, Nolan Gruden, and uh, this is just making up kind of thoughts out of thin air, but you know how much he's fascinated with his offensive weapons. And, you know, I've heard reports, and again, reports in air quotes, you never know what, what you're hearing is if it's accurate or not, but Julio Jones, a player like a Julio Jones, or some sort of just big-time premier difference maker on the offensive side, um, I know there's some teams that are going in directions that we don't really know if they're going to be going for a quarterback in a rebuild or if they're going to stay with their current, you know, maybe older quarterback like a Matt Ryan. You know, we don't know where the, the Falcons are a team that come to mind to me are going. And so you never know. Around draft time, there could be some big name, um, big ticket guys on the, on the trade block. And, uh, you know, I just thought I'd bring that up and see if anybody else has any names that they think would be a potential trade target of, of like, existing players that might have a, a shot at trading for. But loving the pod, Q. Hope you have a great week, man. Peace out. There he goes. Jordan in Oregon. Appreciate hearing from you as always, my man. And he's hoping that the team gets aggressive either by way of the draft or just in the league in general. And that's really good stuff. I like that. Good way of thinking. Uh, I'll say Julio's been mentioned multiple times. I'm not sure. I don't think Atlanta's going to move on from him. As I mentioned in segment number one, they're talking about moving down. I think that they're going to collect some extra picks. I don't think that Julio's going anywhere. I don't think Matt Ryan's going anywhere. I think they're going to try to add to the team and try to make a run. Uh, Plus, I don't think that Raider Nation wants a guy in Julio who misses multiple games each year and then always asks for a a pay raise. (laughs) He always does that. So, uh, it's a a tough pass on me uh, as far as Julio Jones goes, but there's definitely guys in the league that the Raiders could get aggressive with. I, I, I like that. So a good way of thinking. Definitely appreciate you. Uh, let me see. I don't have time for any more. I got a text from Chef Nick out of Denver, California Dave out of West Tennessee, and then a text from Stanton from Vegas. I'll get to all those on tomorrow's show. Uh, I will be on Cofield and Company later on today on ESPN Las Vegas. We're actually going to record early, going to do another 30-minute segment, so hopefully that goes really, really well. Um, Also got a lot of good things cooking that I'll tell you about a little bit later that should be happening on in the week, but... uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. So hopefully I'll have some good stuff maybe from Cofield and Company to bring to the show tomorrow. I'll bring some Penny Sewell uh, sound, organ tackle, uh, as they had their pro day, just like I uh, brought Javon Holland. I'll get that on tomorrow's show for sure. Of course, more news and notes and those calls and texts that I mentioned, plus some. So uh, a big show planned for you tomorrow. Raider Nation, hope all is well. Uh, make sure you stay safe. Take care of your family. Wash your hands. Social distance. You know, Again, just be safe. Do the best that you can uh, to keep you and others around you as safe as possible. Uh, definitely appreciate you. Oh, I did want to update real quick Obi-Wan Raider before I got out of here. I almost forgot to do that. Uh, and I, I like to, you know, every once in a while when I get a message from his wife, Mr. And Mrs. Jordan, too, on Twitter, uh, I can go ahead and give you an update. Saturday night, she hit me up on Twitter and said, Hey, Q, sorry I haven't been able to update you on Obi. Yesterday was a hard day for him. All his stats were high. He needed to have a procedure done to try and clean up his lungs because they're full of fluid from having pneumonia. This morning at 6 a.m., I was called by the hospital because he needed a blood transfusion. He did well after that and also was transferred to LT facility for long-term care. I was happy that he was approved for the transfer, but sad because his eyes were open and it looked like he was shedding a few tears. I say he's strong and encourage him to stay strong. I like to believe he understands and can hear 
when I'm talking to him, even though he's still considered to be in a coma. That's from Mr. and Mrs. Jordan 2 on Twitter, updating you there on Obi-Wan Raider. Uh, doesn't sound like he's doing too good. Um, you know, fluid in the lungs, having pneumonia. Uh, my really, really good friends, the Zamoras, they just went through that with their dad. He eventually passed away. That was the funeral I went to just a few weeks ago back in California. So praying for Obi-Wan Raider and everyone else out there that may be going through something. So uh, if you have a chance and you're on Twitter, hit up Mr. and Mrs. Jordan, too, and just share your, uh, your thoughts and prayers with her as well. So until tomorrow, Raider Nation, stay safe again. Take care of your family, the loved ones around you, and most importantly, as always, just win, baby.